movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 114, 114. So, last week we had a news topic about the Rubik's Cube movie, and I played Devil's Advocate because, just because a movie has a stupid idea, doesn't necessarily mean the movie is going to be the worst thing in the world. So, that's what we're going to talk about this week, of movies that, on paper should have fallen straight on their stupid faces for having such a stupid idea, but ended up being way better than they had any right to be because it's also January, which January is where movies go to die. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. But, uh, first, Michael, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm good, sir. Thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to getting our topics, uh, you know, introduced because there's some movie news this week, you know, uh, regardless of what's going on in our personal lives, it's actually fun to have more content to talk about. And I think this is a tremendous topic, by the way, our, our main discussion. That's actually, I mean, it, it requires a little bit of thinking, and I hope we, I hope we didn't overlap too much on our movies. I don't think, I don't think we did. Um, there's some, obviously, that you can tell by the thumbnail. I think we will have some overlap, but I don't think we'll have as much as you think we will, uh, which right, is fine. I've been watching a couple of different things. Uh, one in particular that's right up Michael's alley. As soon as I just say the words Aaron Sorkin, he's just immediately, what? Hmm? Sorkin? Sorkin? Mine? Amen. Mine? Um, so I don't know what compelled me to. Um, it's been in my watch list forever for Netflix, but I finally got around to watching the Aaron Sorkin written, uh, Danny Boyle directed, um, starring Michael Fassbender version of Steve Jobs. Uh, the, the good Steve Jobs movie, as people refer to it, not the Ashton Kutcher one. Um, not earth shattering or anything, but it was really, really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Michael Fassbender, always excellent, except for Assassin's Creed. It was interesting to me that I was so engaged and so locked into this movie, considering it has zero plot. There is no plot to this movie. It's basically three different points in Steve Jobs' um, career, and it's three separate moments of... Everyone needs to talk to Steve right before he's about to go on stage for some big discussion. That's it. Every single time. It's everyone needs to apparently talk to Steve Jobs immediately right before the biggest presentation of his life. Not some other time. But it was really, really good. Um, again, since it's Sorkin, incredibly well written. Um, we get like half an hour in and I'm just immediately locked in just going, I need to know what happens even though there's been like no action, no actual story development. Um, it was, it was yeah. really good. I'm glad to hear it. I, I have not uh, actually watched that. It's one of the few Sorkin projects I haven't actually taken a, a dive into. Now, I will say this. I got through about a third of The American President because that's on Netflix a couple nights ago, and I just couldn't go any further because it's just so wrong seeing Martin Sheen playing the chief of staff instead of the president, <laughs> and he actually <laughs> is more presidential in that movie. And even though it came out like three years before the West Wing, so it was just really odd, and it's not that interesting. It's, it is well written, it's very quippy, but you talk about not having a plot, it's just the president wanting to date somebody, and it being kind of controversial. And I'm like, what's the whole point of this movie? And I had to turn it off. But the one movie I did get through this weekend, uh, this past weekend rather, with my father, no, no in part thanks to you, Mr. Nathan, as you, you recommended a while ago, of The Lost City of Z. And or Zed, depending on where you're watching it, as they call it in the movie. That's true. 
And my, my father and I, we watched it, and we definitely enjoyed it. We, we do wish, you know, it ended on a little bit of a higher note because it's a very somber note. I won't go into spoilers. Uh, but it is, you know, more in line with the historical interpretation of the actual events that they were representing. Uh, either way, very compelling, uh, tragic, uh, maybe a little bit scary, uh, awe-inspiring, uh, a bit humorous at times. And it was a movie that I... I mean, I wouldn't make my wall of movies that work that shouldn't uh, because it actually had a good cast, good writing, and uh, it was a little bit of a sleeper. And I thank you so much for recommending it because it was a good time. Yeah, I don't think Lost City Z will ever be on anybody's, like, best movie ever list, but I think it deserves a lot of people's, like, sleeper hits movies because this movie fell under a lot of people's radar. And it is because it's a very unconventional – it's a treasure hunt movie, but it's a very unconventional treasure hunt movie – Again, without spoiling it, um, following what Michael said, it ends kind of on a down note, but um, not completely pessimistic. Um, no. Like, it's a treasure hunt movie, but with a more realistic ending. I'm not going to tell you what that ending is, because I always recommend it to people. It's on Amazon. Um, but also, it gets some really good performances out of there. I've always, I've never disliked Charlie Hunnam, but he's never been my favorite. I think Charlie Hunnam's excellent in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. yes. I know... Everyone's excited for Robert Pattinson as Batman, uh, and they always go to like the Lighthouse as a great performance. I think the the Lost City of Z is the movie that turned me around as Robert Pattinson as an actor because he's completely unrecognizable in this movie. Like if you don't tell somebody yes. that it's Robert Pattinson, they will not believe you because he disappears into this role. It's not a big role, but it's a he's probably my favorite character in it because he's a cool supporting character. Um, and Tom Holland, a very very young Tom Holland, is excellent in it. Um, it's a very different type of movie, but I really, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, you watching anything else lately, Michael? I, I went back and actually rewatched some of the scenes of Infinity War and Endgame. I basically sped watched them in an hour, just going through scenes that I just wanted to rewatch. And and that was, you know, after watching uh, WandaVision, the first two episodes, which I actually had been going out of my way not to watch, but uh, for me. I was I was hooked in the first basically minute and a half, and I'm like, okay, I have to finish this. This is actually really amazing. Okay, so and you I, did watch I, WandaVision. Yeah, because I, okay. I did. I, okay. I did end up watching it. So I watched the first two episodes out there really good. Can't wait for more. And then every Wednesday cannot come soon enough, so I'm really happy tomorrow because I get to watch another episode of The Expanse uh, Season 5, and it has been so unbelievably good. The, the writing and character work this season has been incredible, and it's my favorite show that's out right now. I can't highly recommend that enough. I'm glad you brought up WandaVision because I didn't know if you had seen it or not for us to talk about this week. Um, I genuinely don't know what to make of WandaVision after the first two episodes. Like, it's one of those that's just like, I think I like this, but I don't know. Like, I grew up watching some of the stuff on TV Land that this is supposed to be emulating, but um, I kind of am at the point with it of just like, you started off so slow that if you don't pick up the pace quick, I might just drop you and then read the spoilers of what happens later because, like, you can tell in the first two episodes that something's not quite right in the world that they're in. Um, but I'm just like, can we spend more time investigating that mystery? Because we're really, really taking the slow burn aspect on this so far. Um, if it, if I was comparing it to a horror movie, it's just that first like 30 minutes when you're just introducing characters and not doing anything at all. Um, 
like there's some intrigue there, but so far I think they need to add a little bit more intrigue. I'm just at that point where I'm like, I know this is important going forward for the MCU. Can you just tell me why it's important so we can kind of just mentally prepare ourselves for that and just kind of move on to the next thing? It's it's well executed in what it's doing. I just don't know if what it's doing is necessarily hooking me as much as it's hooking some other people. Yeah, I definitely understand that point of view for for sure because it's so unconventional. Yes, it's like they're it's like they're trolling us, and it's like the jokes going on for too long. You're like, okay, so what's what's the point of the joke? But I am actually really enjoying it because it's so different. It's actually quite refreshing. But the the second episode for sure was kind of like I don't understand the point. That was kind of uh, just world building, I guess. But I haven't actually. I've been pleasantly surprised. I think they nailed the tone and the look. And, you know, growing up and watching TV Land myself, uh, it, it is something that immediately takes me back to my childhood. And I actually can't wait to show my parents this because as the first episode was playing, I texted them and said, I don't know what you guys are going to think of this because much like you, I don't know what to make of it. But all I know is I'm having fun. Can't figure out why yet. But you're right. The formula will get old if, like, episodes three and four are the same thing because us fans, we, we see the glitches in the Matrix, and we're like, okay, so, Wanda, is this your projection? Is this something you you want? Is this your ideal? Can we get to it, please? Because is this ten episodes? Is that, is that uh, how long Nine, for some nine. reason. Okay. All righty. Well, yeah, they got to pick it up pretty quick. Yeah, like, it's one of those just, just like, they. it feels like they're trolling us, like you said, because we already know that this will feed directly into Spider-Man, will feed directly into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, like, have huge ripple effects for the rest of the MCU. It's just like, that's a whole lot more interesting to me than emulating old sitcoms. Sorry, I just, I want to continue the Marvel storyline. This is kind of just a weird sidetrack. I have faith in Kevin Feige that we'll eventually get back on track, but so far, I'm like... Stop teasing us. I just want to know what this overall narrative is. And maybe it being so different is hurting it for me. But even then, we've had very different things in the MCU before. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, when that first was introduced, was wildly different. But that didn't bother me. I loved Guardians, the first one. Um, so we'll, we'll come back next week after episode three and see if our thoughts have changed any. Um, I'm sure they'll expound more upon the mystery that's building um there's some good theories out there but yeah so far i i don't want to say i'm disappointed for the first two because i had no expectations but then again one division was not the show i was most anticipating um if i feel this way after falcon winter soldier then we need to come back to the table and reevaluate things but i, I don't think that'll be the case hmm. yeah that that is a that's a good point and i mean is this i guess real quick before we move on what what is the next marvel property after Oh, WandaVision. What's Falcon the next Winter Soldier. Thing? Okay, and when does that premiere then? Uh, the week after WandaVision in March. Oh, okay, excellent. So, I mean, are they supposed to feed, those shows supposed to feed into one another? No, because um, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier was actually supposed to come out before WandaVision. So, I don't think they're going to be connected at all. I oh, think okay. Falcon Winter Soldier is going to be very grounded in reality, whereas WandaVision is going to break the reality that we know and love. Okay, sounds good. Thank you for helping me understand. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, speaking of Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, it seems like a certain somebody may not be willing to give up the shield just yet, as it looks like 
Chris Evans is actually returning to the role that has made him just one of the biggest names in the world. Looks like Chris Evans is coming back to the MCU in some capacity. Um, now, I have some thoughts on this. But I think it's interesting that he's coming back to the MCU this quickly. Like, the dude just left. We just said goodbye to him as Mr. Rogers in Endgame, basically. But he's back already. I have a few thoughts on this. I have a really, really out there one that I'll say in a little bit. But my initial go-to is maybe he was supposed to be a surprise cameo in Falcon and Winter Soldier and this is getting leaked. And so they're more or less just kind of coming out and saying, yeah, he's coming back. And it's just for like a flashback scene in Falcon and Winter Soldier or some form of cameo. Or maybe there's something bigger here. Um, I have some crazy conspiracy theories that we'll dive into in a little bit here but um michael you seeing chris evans is coming back to the mcu thoughts yeah the official press release was saying that he was gearing up for at least one other like at least one marvel property and i don't know if they would release this just for him to be in a cameo in falcon and winter soldier i think it's actual project I have been thinking about this for a couple days, and I'm nowhere closer on a on a guess, unfortunately, because oh, oh boy, I see what you're doing here. I won't, I won't spoil it, but I I think this is great news. But we knew this was going to happen. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's a money making machine. It's not as if they would He's just retire. He's a beautiful him. man. He's a beautiful yeah. man that brings in the money. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's the thing. What's going to bring in money? It's our beloved stars. Now, this is a lot quicker than what I was anticipating. Maybe. Maybe they believe they can't afford to take three, four years away from a character uh, and actually have, you know, give the audiences time to fully miss them. Because by by this time, I mean, this will, oh, we, we just saw him, like you said, an endgame in 2019. It's not like we've waited forever because the entire MCU has been on hold. Yeah, it's not like Hugh Jackman coming to the MCU type of thing where he will have some years away. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, I'm not really sure what to make of this. I mean, I, everyone saw this coming. Now we're just left eventually, for, but not yeah. this soon. No, not this soon at all. So, yeah, uh, I'll be interested. I'm I'm always down for it. He's one of my favorite characters. He, he was my favorite character in the very beginning. I like the way he's been portrayed, and I hope to see him in his in the form that we we have typically known him in the in the films. And I would like for him to don his mighty shield once again. <laughs> yes, he will wield that shield. Um, so. Here's where we're going to get a little crazy. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I think people are assuming some things. Now, the report was saying that he's going to kind of be like what um, Iron Man was with Captain America Civil War, kind of being like a supporting character in some other movies. It can't be anything in the current era because he's old. Maybe it's some flashback stuff. I would love it if they announced tomorrow that we're getting a miniseries on Disney Plus about the Howling Commandos back in World War One and World War Two. I think that would be awesome with him leading an uh, like a SWAT team. Here's where the tinfoil hat comes in. Everyone and their mother is assuming he's coming back to play Captain America. I think he's coming back to play a Marvel character, all right. I'm being half joking, but half serious when I say this. I think he is coming back as Johnny Storm. I'm dead serious when I say this. I think he's coming back 
for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness as a separate universe's Johnny Storm. They're going to have... We already know that they're kind of looking to bring in Toby and um, Andrew Garfield into Spider-Verse. Is it really out of the realm of possibility that now that Disney owns Fox and the original Fantastic Four movies, that they don't theoretically go back to the well and before we fully introduce a new MCU-led, true-to-blue Fantastic Four, we don't soft-introduce the old version in some other movie using a character that we're already familiar with, with Chris Evans. People remember and still make fun of to this day, yes, he's Captain America, but he was also Human Torch and wouldn't it be funny if they met each other? I don't think they'll meet each other. I think he straight up will come back as Human Torch just for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness because in the Multiverse of Madness, I think nothing is guaranteed. This is my crazy. This is probably one of my craziest, most tinfoil hat theories I've ever had. But I think there's some basis to this. If they're really serious about this multiverse thing, and um, if they're kind of copying what DC's planning on doing with the Flash movie of everything counts, it's just in its own separate universes. What better way to do that? And add validity to this multiverse thing. Then, hey, you know Chris Evans is Captain America. But in this universe, he was Human Torch. Before you meet our new Human Torch, this is what he was before. So it kind of more ingrains in the people's brains the concept of a a multiverse. I think that's a really clear-cut way for someone like my mom, who doesn't understand what a multiverse is. Be like, in this planet, he played Captain America. But in this planet, he played Human Torch. They'll never meet because they don't exist in the same universe. But thanks to some shenanigans, thanks to WandaVision, now it's possible. That's my craziest theory I have. Ever, probably. But I think everyone's just kind of assuming that he's coming back as Captain America. That's my response. Well, listen, you do it. You usually do a very good job of, you know, selling your particular theory. You're going to have to sell this one a little bit harder to me, but I understand where you're going. To, to answer the you know, the, the rhetorical question, you know, I will say absolutely not. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. At this point, all bets are off. They can have as much fun as they want. And if they're doing it for the fans, they know the fans are going to absolutely love that. They you know how funny that would be and how well they could play that. So seeing it in my head, I think it's pretty cool. I, I will I will mention, though, that at this particular uh, risk if they did take it, they'd have to do it very carefully because even somebody like myself, who, who I I know the difference, I can tell the difference. I've seen both movies, I can parse the 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 two characters out. It's going to start to get pretty insane pretty quickly, and I don't want Phase Four to be marred by confusion. So I would say if this is true, I would just ask them to all tread lightly. But in Kevin, we trust. So. If anyone that that can pull it off, uh, you know, Marvel can do it. I, I MCU can can take care of it, just no problem. There's also been some rumor and speculation out there, that, or just some fan theory out there, that he'll be coming back as like an alternate universe's version of like an evil Captain America, which I'd be down for. Uh, somebody hmm. suggested that maybe he's coming back as a scroll, to which I'm going, I don't like that idea because if he comes back somehow as his normal young handsome Chris Evans looking self, I'm immediately going to be suspicious going, I don't trust you. If you're a scroll, you should have come back as a 
older version so you don't stick out like a sore thumb like young handsome chris evans will um so i don't buy the scroll thing um yeah there's a, a lot of interesting possibilities now chris evans seemingly is debunking this um uh, but he's known to have some fun with fans on twitter um he just tweeted news to me after a lot of people were reporting this so that's neither confirmation or denial from him um i do think it's interesting nonetheless and then it just seems to me like this is just sets the ticking clock for when does robert downey jr come back now there's already been some rumors that he will show up in a undisclosed marvel movie i do believe those rumors i'm not going to tell you what tomorrow movie it is in case you want that to be a pleasant surprise which you should um i i see robert downey jr also coming back the funny thing is i thought robert downey jr would be the one that comes to the mcu back to the mcu first before chris evans because i love them both as actors but chris evans has better selection of the projects that he takes because um chris evans didn't make doolittle and after that embarrassment i figured robert downey jr would kind of want to go back to his safe bubble of the mcu like um when his contract was coming up coming up around 2011 he made the judge with robert duvall and no one saw it so he re-upped his contract with marvel um i think this is only a matter of time before rdj comes back as well um because we're entering in this new phase of marvel where we don't have a lot of the avengers that we first met and were introduced to and i don't know if the core fan base cares about the new guys as much as they care about the old guys like um just look at the new roster. It's like Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Wanda, Vision. Other than Spider-Man, I don't care about any of those guys as much as I care about that OG6. Um, so maybe they're still kind of keeping some of the original guard in reserve. Like Hawkeye's clearly still there, training Haley Steinfeld. Thor is still a presence. So they're still kind of leaning on the past a little bit to kind of train the new guys, I think. Or at least in wrestling terms put the new guys over so that general audiences will accept them i think that's kind of another reason why chris evans is coming back it's just interesting it just seems really really quick you just left you didn't give us time to miss you yet yeah that that's a it's a very good point i mean robert downey jr you'd like to think they would milk that time a little bit longer uh i do have a question you say about the original six do you think we ever see a movie with just them again maybe maybe a send-off movie like an actual true send off, like we are finally going to move on because the actors honestly can't stay young forever. But do you think we just get like for the old guard's sake, like they have to go do their own mission and this side mission somewhere and it's just up to them? No, because that happened already. It's called Endgame. There's a reason why the OG6 were left alive for Endgame is so they can relive their best hits. They literally go back to do all the iconic Avengers moments again. And it's just their special mission. Kevin Feige made it abundantly clear that he chose the people that survived the snap for a reason it's all the original people so i think that was their send-off to more or less pass the baton to the new guys um and you still have some bridge like um roadie is still there he was one of the og people and he's still on the team so just this seems odd but i don't know with like sting before him the mcu can always be summed up with one thing's for sure, and that's nothing's for sure. Right. Well, this certainly was a bit of shocking news, to say the least. Uh, I'm sure Michael's excited about it. I am less excited about this. And that is that Godzilla vs. Kong... Okay, we need to clarify once and for all. Is this 
Kong versus Godzilla, or is it Godzilla versus Kong? I think it's Godzilla versus Kong. Um, Godzilla versus Kong is getting moved up two whole months and is now coming out March 26th. I'm of two minds of this. I think it is awesome that we're getting this sooner because it means I get to see it sooner. I think this is bad because this does not speak to a vote of confidence. And here's why. If Legendary Warner Brothers thought this movie could make money at the box office, they would have delayed it a few months or seen how vaccines and everything else is handling it to see if people are going back to the theater. The fact that they're moving it up two months, to me at least, shows that they don't care about how it performs at the box office and therefore, to me at least, don't have that much faith in it. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm too pessimistic. Maybe I'm still down from King of the Monsters. Michael, do you see it differently at all? Is this worrying or a positive to you? It's it's worrying financially because I want to see this franchise actually do well. But if this movie doesn't do well, make a money, I don't think they make another one. I, I think they scrap this character for, for a long time and try maybe five, six years to try a different Godzilla. Because uh, Godzilla will always be there in some iteration. It's, it's too big internationally and interna- in international markets alone for it to just die in the cinematic uh, universe in any in any case. It's just hard in the American space. It always has been. And I will say that uh, as somebody who is a fan, I'm saddened by that. This does not uh, you know, encourage me from the box office-wise. The one thing that I have to say, we haven't even seen a trailer for this yet, Nathan. I, we don't know what the movie's called. I, I was thinking about this as this was released. I don't know what this movie is about other than the obvious, but like, why? We haven't seen anything except for like a literally three seconds of footage that was teased officially. Across two and different it, trailers. Yes, and yes, that's right. So what that's the more worrying part is that they, they move it up and we still don't have a trailer. Why wouldn't they have moved it up with the announcement trailer for this film? Dude, Why? if, can you imagine, this would have been one of the smartest things they could have done from a publicity standpoint is just drop a trailer and at the end saying, coming March 26th. Thank you. Say the date at the end of the trailer. Uh, but to your point of we don't have a trailer or anything marketing, now I think this is out of Legendary's hand. This was a Warner Brothers decision to go... Okay, this needs to go to HBO Max sooner rather than later because I think this is going to come in contact with another thing that we'll talk about later, HBO Max involved. Um, I don't think this is a good idea. This is a bad move um, because, to me, it just screams you don't have confidence in this movie. But it also, to me, means we're getting a trailer sooner rather than later. Same with uh, Mortal Kombat. We're not talking about today, but some pictures came out from Entertainment Weekly. Um, official stills of the Mortal Kombat movie that's coming to theaters and HBO Max. So expect a trailer for that sometime soon, as well as a trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong, because those are really, really right around the corner. Um, we already have a trailer for Tom and Jerry. I think that's the next Warner Brothers movie that's going theatrical and HBO Max, which... Michael, did you see the trailer for Tom and Jerry? I purposely didn't watch it because I wanted to... Lucky. Remi- yeah, I wanted to rem- uh, keep my memories of my childhood... It's you know, intact. It's it's booty. It's straight booty, man. It's so bad. Like, it looks like Mousetrap with Nathan Lane. Um, yeah, oh I, I want to be excited for Godzilla vs. Kong. I know this is your most anticipated movie of the year. I want to be excited. But Warner Brothers, through no fault of Legendary, 
They've they're the ones that are making this. They're nothing to do with them. But everything to do with how this movie's been handled from a behind the scenes aspect has just really drained my excitement for this. And the fact that you moved it up in this really uncertain market right now to just screams to me that you're not confident in what you've made and maybe it's you've got burned too much with uh king of the monsters which i know you liked it but a lot of people didn't and it didn't have the box office returns that they're hoping for these newer monsterverse has not paid off in the way that they're hoping like um no, i don't mind the 2014 all. one and i kong versus um kong skull island is still my favorite of this whole monsterverse but none of them have reached the peaks that I'm sure Warner Brothers and Legendary have been hoping for. And there's only one reason for that. It's they didn't cross it over with the Pacific Rim Jaegers. That's that's the only thing that's been wrong with this entire franchise. And that's completely serious from me. No sarcasm whatsoever there. Um, yeah, this, this makes me worried. But because we like to be positive here on the podcast... We're getting it two months early! So, my prediction about the thing that they're gonna fight that I said last... Last year in my predictions that I can't tell you now because some toy leaks said what it was. We're going to see that sooner rather than later. We're going to see Kong beat Godzilla because he will. Kong will beat Godzilla. We'll come back to this. He will. From a positive standpoint, it would mean I get to see it two months earlier. Um, And then if it's safe, which the theaters around me, they do a very good job. So... I will see this in theaters. It'll be the first new movie in months. Uh, and then if I like it, I don't know if I will or not, I can rewatch it at home in 4K, assuming devices are supported by then HBO Max. Thanks for that. Yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more, Nate. I I I have enjoyed everything that the MonsterVerse has done, and but I'm I'm in the minority, and I understand why I'm in the minority. I, I'm not I'm not perplexed. I'm not mad uh, because the the films are not the biggest spectacles, but when you look at what they could have done overseas, I mean, they're they're an Americanized version of an international character. It's so beloved in Asia, so when we try to do something with a different spin without a lot of, I don't care and affection towards the original and source material, it's not really going to be very appealing to those markets considering right around 2014 Godzilla, they actually did their own version of it, and it did incredibly well. So it's not as if the character has doesn't have appeal. It's just how it's done. And let's be honest, us American audiences, unless it's Jurassic Park or like a Jaws, we're not big like monster movie type of people. Pacific Rim, you know, was was dumb fun action, but we're not going to pretend that it made a lot of money here domestically. Yep. Uh, and the Pacific Rim 2 Uprising, like that's another example. So it, it, it's just not a genre that has done very well here, for better or for worse. I'm not I'm not judging any, the quality or anything on that. Uh, so we, we don't have that affinity for it, and so it's hard to break in that 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 market. I'm one of those people, so I'm glad that they exist. And if, if we stop at four movies, I'll say that was four more movies than I was ever expecting to see in the American version, you know, with, with a lot of money behind it. So I got to be grateful, but I think the writing's on the wall here with this entire, you know, monster verse, unfortunately. Yeah. I think at least from an American audience standpoint, people are familiar with Godzilla, but it doesn't mean they're Godzilla fans. It's like when, um, an anime gets a live action adaptation, like Alita battle angel. It did really well in the overseas markets, 
but the American audience, for whatever reason, it just didn't resonate with them. And it, the same thing will happen with foreign markets. Star Wars does incredibly well domestically, does not translate super well to the overseas markets. Like, China has never liked the Star Wars movies. They always historically flop over there. Um, so it could just be cultures of those uh, Godzilla and Kong, those type of movies do really, really well in specific markets. Maybe the American market is just not one of those movies. It's, that's fine. If you enjoy them, that's fine. That's awesome. Like what you want to like. Now, one that unfortunately is taking the opposite route uh, of Kong versus Godzilla and not moving up, but moving away, further and further away from happiness, is James Bond's No Time to Die, as it has seemingly been delayed yet again to an undisclosed date, because this was supposed to come out, I believe, April 2nd, and now it's not on the release calendar. Uh, I don't think this will be a big move, but maybe like to a June or July. I think we're going to have the similar situation with No Time to Die as we did when Tenant came out of, all right, move the goalpost just a little bit, move it just a little bit, move it just, okay, just just put it out there. Um, I don't think this will be a huge delay, but this is a smart move because if you were sticking to your April 2nd date, you would have to ramp up your marketing campaign all over again right around now so people go, oh yeah, there was a James Bond movie coming out before all this crap hit the fan. We gotta remember that. You, you can't just drop a movie in theaters. You have to ramp up the marketing for it or else no one will remember that your movie's coming out. So you have to allow a solid month or two to remind people that this thing is coming out now. Uh, I think this is the right choice. As much as it absolutely sucks to say that, because gosh dang it, I feel like this movie, more than any other, has just been delayed, 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 delayed. And I want to see this. Sure, I didn't like Spectre, but all the trailers for this have just looked banging, and I want to see this movie. But I understand and respect the decision. Um, I also think this comes with them not getting the deal that they were hoping for from certain streaming services because apparently they were shopping No Time to Die around for a very hefty price tag and no streaming services were willing to budge on that. And rightly so. You should not be paying $600 million just to acquire one movie that no one knows if they like or not. Um, This sucks, but it makes sense to me at least. Michael, you see it any different? Uh, no, I don't, because unlike our previous topic, this is the exact opposite response. This actually is a very is very encouraging later on in the year, presuming at this point that things will be more open, more free, a little more confidence from us consumers to go out and be out without a lot of fear uh, of, of sickness and everything else, that they want to put it in a market and at a time that they can maximize their return. And they wouldn't do so if they weren't confident in the project that they have. They know that Bond always makes money. Even Spectre, which is considered the, the worst ones. Uh, in, no, in the, Quantum of Solace they, is the worst one. Uh, it, yeah, it's, well, it was very disappointing following up a very, very good movie, I guess. Correct. And, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you there. Correct, correct me. Sorry, sorry for yeah, forgetting Quantum. That's how bad Quantum of Solace was. I forgot that it existed. Mm-hmm. So... They they want to make their money, and I'm glad they're pushing it. Uh, and you know, it's going to be here before we know it. You know, the fall's a much better time 
uh, late summer, early fall uh, for it. And it'll just be another movie we can add to our repertoire. But yeah, this is pretty simple. They have confidence they're going to move it to maximize the return at the box office. I think it's smart, and I stand behind that. Yeah, it it's just a it's a good call. Um, yeah, I think this is what Kong vs. Godzilla should have done. You brought it up. This is this is reaffirming. Yes, it sucks, but eventually the world will return to the how it was that we know and love, and eventually movies will come out again. And the fact that they are delaying it, it is a vote of confidence to me. It is a good thing, unlike the Godzilla thing, which is. Well, just just dump it wherever. We don't really care. That's that's a little nerve wracking. Right. Well, something that's had a lot of hype surrounding it is Zack Snyder's Justice League, which also will be hitting HBO Max sometime in March, which I think very much plays a factor into the news that Zack Snyder has come out with. Which, quick side note with this, um. Does literally anybody else besides Zack Snyder use Vero? Like, at all. I don't know what Vero is, but the only time I ever hear it mentioned is Zack Snyder posted on his Vero. I'm going, okay, am I just an old person? What What is Vero? Is it like Vimeo, except cooler? Okay, that aside, um, somebody asked him on Vero... Um, is your movie uh, a four-part miniseries like we've been led to believe, or is it a one-shot? And he said one-shot. So this kind of implies that his cut, his version of Justice League, that'll be airing on HBO Max, will be a four-hour-long movie as opposed to a four-part miniseries. Here's where I might surprise Michael. This is great news. And this is coming from someone that has not been looking forward to this movie at all. I'm not a Snyder fan. I'm not. I like Man of Steel quite a bit. But here's why I think this is a good move. HBO Max and Zack Snyder has both made it abundantly clear. He has had full creative autonomy. You can go balls to wall on this. Make it as Snyder as possible. This is 100% your baby. If this is his true vision of what he wanted to do originally with this movie um, before Joss Whedon and everyone took over, I don't think for one minute he ever intended it to be a four-part miniseries because if it is, then the way you structure it and the way you cut it has to be altered because if it's a four-part thing, you have to find a way to cut it to leave people wanting more for the next episode. Um, there's gotta be, it's like when you watch a movie in the theater, as opposed to when you watch it on TV, T when you watch it on TV, they have to factor in commercial breaks. And often in times when you watch movies on TV, there's that really awkward dip to black when there's clearly not a way to good way to split this. So I think that might've happened of boy, that was a weird way to leave this little chunk here. Um, four hours is ridiculously long. But to me, that means this is what Snyder wants, for better or for worse. Um, we'll see how it goes. But while I don't agree with his creative direction, I'm all for people expressing their own creativity how they want to. Um, and Zack Snyder seemingly has had full creative control of that. Good for him. I don't agree with his vision, but I'm glad he's been able to fulfill his vision. And so while four hours is ridiculously long for a movie... Having it as a movie as opposed to a TV show means to me that 
they didn't have to cut it or tailor it a specific way to fit the format better for a four-part miniseries as opposed to a four-hour movie. Uh, that makes sense, Michael. You see it? any different thoughts on a four-hour-long Justice League movie? There, what, what you just ended with there, the technical aspects, makes perfect sense. And then there's how I feel about it, and that's that I've never looked forward to watching four hours of anything, let alone, I mean, for Zack Snyder. I mean, I haven't at all, let alone, I mean, a couple hours. So I'm not really excited about it. I, I probably won't be watching this, honestly. I mean, I'm not going to get HBO Max. There's nothing out there that's making me get HBO Max unless for some reason. I can't go see Godzilla, then my dad and I will just have to sacrifice and, and watch it at home. But I don't know, man. This is this for me it, it you know exudes the exact opposite reaction that you had. And because like just the longer it goes, it's kind of like somebody who believes they have great content but they feel the need to explain themselves. But it's like, well, when I say this, I meant really meant this. And so when I when I say that, I don't want to offend you, so I'm going to keep explaining. And then you had a really good point that would have been summed up in a minute, and now you've been talking for 25 minutes. And it's like you had something good, you just had to keep going. You just had to keep adding to it. It's kind of like a Michael Bay action piece. It's like, oh, that's really cool, and now it's ridiculous. Uh, so for me, that's how I, I feel about it. It doesn't I, I'm mildly curious now. I'm just not curious any longer because I'm like that. That's just insane. I mean, it's longer than Return of the King. No, uh, no, it's not. It's it's not. No, how long? Not the extended is... edition. Not the well, extended edition. Okay. I don't think. Which edition. is the only true version. Come at me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I barely make it through that at four hours, and I love that movie. So this, I'll I'll do this. I will let you. Take the, take the plunge and make the sacrifice. Yeah, thanks. And you can, and you can sell it to me. Um, yeah, I, I haven't been super excited for this, but I'll still probably watch it. I don't know if I'll be able to do it in one sitting as much as I <laughs> want to because I think that's how a movie's supposed to be watched. I'll try my best, but a four-hour chunk is really hard, even if I do agree that this is probably how it should be because this is how Snyder would want it to be. Um, I also think, and call me crazy here, um, I think Kong versus Godzilla factors into this, and here's why: if it HBO Max is desperate, and I mean desperate for content right now, and they are banking heavily on the Snyder Cut doing well, which also, um, all you Snyder Cut fans out there, I I have faith in you that you'll do the right thing here. But for the love of God, do not pirate this movie. You're the ones that have been asking and begging for this movie for years. So when it comes available to you. Snyder Cut fans, Snyder haters, support the movie by actually watching it. If you pirate a movie, you're scum. I hate you. I really do. Um, Even Snyder, who I strongly disagree with, I will support him by legally watching this. And this is someone I disagree with in a lot of stuff. Um, But I think they're banking heavily on this bringing in a lot of subscribers for HBO Max. And if Kong vs. Godzilla is coming out sometime in March... I think they're going to want to have one week of Justice League, another week of Kong vs. Godzilla, and those two shall nary ever meet in terms of publicity and marketing. You want two solid waves of momentum as opposed to one big, huge wave that lasts for maybe about a week or two, then as opposed to here, 
say you do uh, Snyder Cut at the beginning of March, and then you do Kong vs. Godzilla at the end of March. That way you can kind of keep the wave going along as opposed to one massive wave. I think that's, from a marketing standpoint, at least for me, that makes more sense to have two big things, whereas if you keep having four chunks of Justice League, that might detract the shine off of Godzilla vs. Kong, which I know we said Warner Bros. doesn't look like they care about it, they care about it from a marketing perspective. You want your whoever's up next in the batting order to have all the lights on them right now when thus far they're the only thing. Look at Disney Plus. Any of their headline programming, they do not air the same time as another headlining program. Falcon Winter Soldier does not come out the same week as WandaVision. It'll come out after. That way you keep the money train rolling you keep people's investment i think that's another reason why snyder cut's not getting cut into four because we can have godzilla one week and they can kind of keep slowly because they're desperate for content milk the content that they need to until they can churn out the actual content that they need to yeah that makes perfect sense uh, because that's the one thing that's lacking on this platform i being one of the potential consumers i just decided to go ahead and buy like the west wing for example and the newsroom some of my favorite shows that got moved from netflix and prime over to hbo max i just decided to go out outright buy them everything else on the platform i'm not interested in but the things that did come to the platform were very underwhelming like Wonder Woman 1984. So no. it was something, yeah, something like this, something like, you know. But you know, I, I will say this though: to stretch out the content, wouldn't they want to make it a mini series and release it once a week in a way? Isn't there a counter argument to be made there? Uh, if it's good, I think. Um, okay. Like I, I'm a big proponent of the weekly model. Um, like Mando, like WandaVision, I. I get people like the binge, but I like the building of anticipation each week. Um, but given how short it would have been for Snyder Cut, just four weeks, I think it's better to just do it as one block. Just dump it at once because, again, like I said earlier, I think if Snyder always intended this to be a theatrically released movie, um, then you do that. You, if you're giving him as much creative control as he wants, then do it. Don't make it a miniseries. Also, um, there's been some rumors out there that he wants to make it a like a 4K Blu-ray release. I don't know if I buy that. Um, again, nothing against Snyder, but it would be incredibly idiotic for them to do a physical release of the Snyder Cut. And it has nothing to do with the quality of the movie. It would be incredibly idiotic because you alienate the people that might sign up for HBO Max. They'll just be like, oh, they're coming out with a... Hard copy version of Senator Cut? Oh, I'll just wait and I'll rent it later. Like, yeah, Disney exactly. Plus Disney Plus has not, nor will they ever, release The Mandalorian on Blu-ray or 4K. Because the only way you can watch The Mandalorian is on Disney Plus, and that's exactly how Disney Plus likes it. I Maybe they do Snyder Cut on hard copy. I just think it's incredibly stupid to do that, because there's a lot of people that want the Snyder Cut. You want their money? Make them pay for it via HBO Max. If they buy it as a hard copy, that's a one-time thing. They pay 25 bucks one time, and they have it. They, Warner Bros. no longer continues to get money from you. If you air it on HBO Max, and it's the only place you can see it is HBO Max, they will continue to get the $15 out of you month after month. Um, so maybe they'll do a physical release of J Zack Snyder's Justice League, but if I'm Warner Bros., I don't 
don't for the monetary reason. Yeah, that, that's a good point. It's funny how you mentioned, though, the, the weekly model. It's just we finally come full circle back to network television except and regular better. seasons. Yeah, except, except better. Better budget, better quality, better writing, all this stuff. But it's funny, like, as far as the release schedule, it's like, yeah, I really like this this whole once a week thing is really nice. And what, yeah, you know how it always was. Uh, it's just, it's just a little ironic to me. So, put, chalk this news next news topic as okay, sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon. I'm probably gonna do that every time I say his name. Matt Damon is coming back for Thor: Love and Thunder, and some of you go. Coming back, yes, Matt Damon, I did it normal that time, Matt Damon was actually in Thor Ragnarok, you know that scene when Loki uh, has taken over Asgard and he has that, because he's a narcissist, he has that, put on that play of Thor the Dark World, I think subtly making fun of Thor the Dark World, and Loki is played by Matt Damon. Um, this is not confirmed. Despite what some people are saying, this is not confirmed by anybody official. It just seems incredibly likely. So Thor Love and Thunder is filming pretty soon in Australia. And Matt Damon has showed up to Australia recently seemingly to film. He might be there for another reason, but it just seems incredibly likely that he's there for Thor Love and Thunder. It's just not a guarantee yet. I think he's doing it for Thor Love and Thunder. And I also think he's not going to be in it for very long because he's going to get brutally murdered. Um, I have reasons why in a second, but um, Michael, how are you feeling about the Mint Demon? And just in general, but how do you think of him in the Thor world here? Uh, I mean, I think he's a great actor. I, I, like, I like all the work that he's, well, almost all the work he's done. But uh, his, his cameo in... And uh, Thor Ragnarok was hilarious. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, wait a minute, that's, I mean, that's him, but but why? And I, I thought that was a really cool thing. Saw this news, or potential news, rather, and I really don't know what to make of it, but it's never a mistake to add talent to a film. And considering the, the creative direction that these movies are going in, I don't see how it could ever be a bad thing. Even if it's for something simple and something short, uh, I don't. I doubt that it would be, because of where they're traveling to and restrictions. But if it's to fulfill some maybe a greater plot line, or maybe just the fact that you know Matt Damon likes to you know visit Australia and he's really good friends with Chris, so hey, why not uh, take a vacation? And oh, by the way, we could use you for a day on set. So but for me, sure, why not? Like this is great. I would never say no to this. Yeah, I think he'll have a bigger role than um, Ragnarok, obviously, in which case it was just like a blink and you miss it. However, I still don't think he's a big part because we already know this cast is huge. You've got it Thor, is. obviously, coming back. You've got Valkyrie, who's going to be a bigger role. You've got Jane Foster coming back. You've got It's going to be fine, buddy. Come it, on. It will be because they're going to follow the comics with her having cancer and everything, um, which is it's a really cool story to take. Um you got the Guardians of the Galaxy coming back because um, Karen Gillan and Drax and everybody else are quarantining themselves. And it's kind of funny to follow them on social media just going, I'm going crazy here, people. Um, I don't think he'll be a big role, but I do think he will brutally die at the hands of his buddy Christian Bale. 
So I've already seen great memes because uh, Christian Bale, as we know, is the villain, Gore the God Butcher, in this Thor movie. I've already saw a great picture of the of Matt Damon and Christian Bale, the two of them in Ford v Ferrari, and it just said Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, <laughs> like if they yeah, team up. Love it. Um, as we as I said, Christian Bale is playing the villain Gore the God Butcher. If your name is Gore the God Butcher, you better be butchering some gods. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Damon is the sacrificial lamb here. Like, we gotta have the opening scene. Like, remember how in Ragnarok, Hela just wasted a whole bunch of people. She killed Zachary Levi so hard that he died and went and became Shazam. Um, I think the same thing is gonna happen here. I think Gore the God Butcher by Christian Bale is gonna kill a whole bunch of remaining Asgardians that survived Ragnarok, including Matt Damon. That way, this scene where he, like, pretends to be Loki who died died in the dark world is foreshadowing to his actual death the next movie um and tell me it just wouldn't be funny just to see christian bale kill matt damon uh, i wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the rationale here i i think he's just there to die i think that'd be entertaining yeah for sure uh and and well obviously it's it's weird to say what you just said and also agree with it but i i know where you're going with that is it lady sip also coming back isn't she confirmed? Yes, I believe she is. Yeah, this this movie is a, a is an Avengers movie as far as like the amount of cast goes. I I have no idea how this movie is going to go. I mean, we obviously have the rumored Jane Foster like narrative and like that. It could be cool, but how how are they going to pack all this into one movie? I, that, that's where I'm really starting to get a little concerned with just screen time because I love the character of Thor. Can we please focus on him? You've brought him so far. Uh, in these in his movies, like he's now my favorite MCU hero character. Really? It's, yeah, like they they've done him so well uh, between Endgame, Infinity War, and Ragnarok. Uh, those three, like they really sold me on him. But I want to see more of him. I don't want to see less of him. So, considering all the other people that are in these movies, and now they all could be short. I mean, the Guardians could be in one scene. You know, Matt Damon could be in one scene. Uh, Lady Sif can be a part of the team along with Jane Foster, like as far as like one of the supporting characters. So it doesn't doesn't have to be like they're all trying to help Thor on his quest or anything. But you know, I'm just starting to get a little concerned. But I do trust the creative team, so I, I guess I should stop worrying. Matt Damon's just there to teach Thor how to fight hand to hand combat style, yeah, like right. Jason that's Bourne. Right. And I'm here to teach you to act. <laughs> hey, Chris Hemsworth can act. Chris Hemsworth can act. Um, yeah, I think Thor was my favorite um, leading up to Avengers. And then some movie called Winter Soldier happened and then Captain America immediately sure. became my favorite. Yeah. And then Thor is probably my second favorite. And then there's 50 feet of crap, as they say in Moneyball. And then there's Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man's death was well-deserved. Come at me. Um, last but not least, I got really, really, really excited with this news, guys. <laughs> like... <laughs> ungodly excited and it's twofold so remember last week how we talked about lucasfilm games is ramping up production they're like yeah we're, we're thinking about doing some stuff um doing some stuff well i thought that they were just gonna do stuff with the star wars name because when we hear lucasfilm we think star wars psych lucasfilm also does indiana jones remember guys because Lucasfilm Games is developing an Indiana Jones game. But also, they came out like two days later 
and said that they're doing an open world Star Wars game from Ubisoft. Um, so Lucasfilm Games, I remember a few weeks ago, I gave crap going, I don't think Disney cares about video games and knows how much money can be made from them. I think they're realizing how much money can be made from them, and I think the licensing issues from EA are not going to be there anymore. I think everyone will be able to pitch their ideas for a Star Wars game to Disney and going forward. I think we're on the cusp of it. Um, I'll dive more into what I think we can expect, but um, Michael, I know you're probably really excited about these because you're always down for more Star Wars games. Uh, the Star Wars game supposedly is from Ubisoft. The Indiana Jones game is supposedly from Bethesda. Um, which of those two sounds more exciting to you, and what do you, what do you see for the future of Lucasfilm games? So I normally would default to the Star Wars uh, side in this case, but I'm actually more excited for Indiana Jones because of the publisher and studio. Uh, Bethesda has a much better track record as far as uh, critically acclaimed games than Ubisoft. Ubisoft does great stuff, but their open-world third-person sandbox things are very repetitive. I mean, if you played The Division, you played the rest of their games as of late. Uh, you know, Watch Dogs, you know, Division, or basically there's no difference between them. And, and so I'm, I'm less enthused that that particular studio picked up the Star Wars game. However, even if it's, even if it's not the most compelling way to tell the story uh, in this open-world third-person shooter sandbox, it's still Star Wars. It's going to look great. It's going to have some big support behind it. So that is exciting in and of itself. But Indiana Jones... That that for me, you know, considering coming from co- coming from Bethesda and their track record, it is very very intriguing to me, especially with what's the era gonna be, oh, who are we like, what age are we playing in, and then just the story, the narrative itself, like that is so cool to me. I mean, these are obviously multiple years away. Uh, my guess would be at least three years away from now. Uh, because of how much time and development they will need. Maybe some of us uh, will have a PS5 by then. Now, no, that's hilarious. Uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to what they have in store. I mean, games are going to. I mean, games in the next few years are going to really, really start to hit the entertainment industry pretty hard. And I'm actually really looking forward to it. So uh, I'm. This is great news. A little hesitant on Ubisoft and Star Wars, but hey, well, you got You got to show me. You got to prove it to me first. So. Uh, I am moderately intrigued. Yeah, I'm I'm always excited for a new Star Wars game. That's fine. I'm actually much, much more excited for Indiana Jones. Star Wars, I'm not as excited for this one because we've had quality Star Wars games recently. Fallen Order is awesome. Battlefront 2 is the redemption story of all redemption stories when it comes to video games. Um, I feel like there's another one that came out recently. Uh, Rogue Squad- Squadron. No, um, Squadrons. Yeah, Squadrons. It's getting pretty good reviews. We've had good Star Wars games. We have not had an Indiana Jones game, period, since Lego Indiana Jones, and before that, some crappy uh, game for the Wii. We have been so deprived on Indiana Jones. It seems like Lucasfilm has, as they usually do, they put all their time and energy into Star Wars because there's a lot of storytelling you can do there and kind of neglect uh, Indiana Jones, which is one of the most beloved franchises of all time. Now, I think it's funny that when I posted this news to the Uncharted uh, media Facebook page, uh, somebody's just like, man, it's just going to feel like a Uncharted clone. And I just put in the comments with the gif of Humper Palpatine. It's ironic. Because, you know, Uncharted stole nothing at all from Indiana Jones whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but also, if Indiana Jones 
um, replicates or duplicates some of the ideas from Uncharted, I don't care. I will not complain about plagiarism because it would fit too well. I think it'd actually be a funny coming full circle because Indiana Jones inspired so many treasure hunters going forward. Like, I think Brendan Fraser's Mummy movie takes a lot of inspiration from Indiana Jones, um, Tomb Raider, Uncharted, and I love all of those. I just love treasure hunting stories and games. It's a why uncharted resonates with me so much it's why it's uncharted media here i just love treasure hunting stuff indiana jones is one of my favorite franchises of all time um before we have our poster that we have in our living room right now uh, we had a raiders of the lost ark poster in our big huge movie size frame poster um i'm just really excited for this it's been so long since we've had any indiana jones content and also i've been sitting on this joke for a few days now um just because it's bethesda doesn't still mean it's not an indie game. Oh, okay. That get out. <laughs> I have been sitting on that for days. Doesn't matter what oh, studio's man. developing it. In the end, still qualifies as an indie game. Um, I don't care if this is just an Uncharted clone. Uncharted does it so well that you'd be smart to clone it from them. But also, it's it's Indiana Jones. He's a classic character. Just give me some fun. Um bullwhip action and i'm fine um there's a lot of different routes you can take there's a lot of book material um wow it's a very long time ago but i did a episode not a podcast episode but just a video maybe i'll link it in the description of pitches that i would like to see for future indiana jones movies when they were talking about indiana jones 5 do the same thing for the video games have them look for um atlantis but my top pick, either movie, better yet, game. Indiana Jones looks for Excalibur before the Nazis can find it and use it as the ultimate weapon. You're welcome, Bethesda. I don't even know what Excalibur is. King Arthur Excalibur? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I'm sorry. You're, you're talking to a novice here. I, I'm not the biggest the Indiana Jones The sword in the stone. Fan, so. Just, I know... It doesn't have actually any major weapons, but say in, at least in this lore, the old legend with King Arthur is whoever so pulls Excalibur from the stone and wields Excalibur like Mjolnir, basically, rules all of Europe. What if Hitler, like he was looking for, um, like the Ark of the Covenant, is looking for Excalibur so he can rule Europe? Tell me he wasn't interested in Europe back in the day. Story writes itself. You're welcome, Bethesda. Uh, well, that's actually really good. Can you just go be on a credit team? You're wasting your talents on podcasting. I, I swear, I swear, you need to be a writer or at least be a part of a story team. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thank you. So this episode uh, is sponsored by uh, Disney Plus. Go watch WandaVision. Give us your thoughts. Tell us if we're missing anything, because. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I still have so many mixed feelings about this. Not as many mixed feelings as I had about most of the movies that we're going to talk about today. Um, almost all of these movies, I thought, are dumb ideas. They should not work. They're stupid. Um, just, um, like we said last week, the Rubik's Cube. That's a stupid idea. Who knows? It probably could be. But we don't know that. Case in point, oh... What should we start with? Let's see. Mm, 
let's start with Power Rangers, 2017's Power Rangers, because oh, yes. that that's starting to be like the the Josh How to Train Your Dragon or the Nathan uh, How uh, Iron Giant Jar. We just need to have a jar for Power Rangers. How often we talk about it? Of I did not grow up watching Power Rangers. I did not care about them, know anything about them, anything. So when they announced that they were doing a new Power Rangers movie come out in 2017, I was just like, like everyone else, just rolled my eyes going, oh, this is a blatant cash grab. And then the first official images came out, what the suits look like. And everyone, including me, made fun of the suits going, you just look like discount Iron Man. Um, And then I saw the movie. There is no reason on this earth that that Power Rangers movie should have had as much excellent character work and just overall fun and enjoyment that that movie had. That should not have worked as successfully as it did. I know it didn't win over a whole lot of critics and didn't do super well at the box office, but given where Power Rangers originated from and given what 2017's movie was... There's not a lot of correlation there because one is significantly better than the other and it had no right to be nearly as good as it was. Yeah, that that is something that you you would you and I actually bonded over because we really enjoyed that whole campfire scene in that movie. It added mm-hmm. a lot of heart. A lot of movies go after character development like that and they just fall flat on their face, but it it came it was written so well and and acted brilliantly that you were like, "Wow, I actually care about these characters now. And yeah, there's just flaws, but it had heart to it. And it is stuck in there throughout and through to the very end. But again, Power Rangers, that market, it's very similar to Godzilla that, you know, it's it wasn't gonna perform well here in the box office. It never was going to. But my goodness, you're absolutely right. The quality of the film was like so much better than I thought because like Power Rangers, let's be honest, like I grew up loving for no logical reason, the actual live-action 90s Power Rangers film. And it's horrible. It's stupid fun. It was still stupid fun for me, but it's not good. And this movie was, I will say, I would give it a positive score. Like, it would be something I would watch again. And that is not what I expected going in to see it. So uh, much respect respect to that, Uh, totally. Um, Actually, I, I am... I actually want to talk about this one first because you'll be able to add to it much more than, than myself. And I think this is probably the, the biggest one for me that I was so pessimistic about. And this came out our sophomore year. I remember where I was at when I when I saw it. And I was it was on it was on winter break our sophomore year. So I know where this February, is going. Yeah, yeah, you do. Heather knows where this is going. February of twenty fourteen. And the reason why is I was with some friends on winter break. And I was at their house, and I said, bud, let's go see a movie. They're like, all right, cool. What should we go see? And I said, the Lego movie. And they Heck looked yeah. at yeah. And they looked at me like, what? Y'all why looked at me go, the exact same way. Y'all looked yeah. at me the exact same way. <laughs> and I, I said to my, my buddy Jordan, I said, We're, you're, you're going to like it. Come on, let's bring Jordy and let's go. And we laughed from start to finish, and we had a great time. So uh, a movie that they had no right. No right being good, but I'll let you take take it away from here, but I know you, how much you love this film. It, also, because it has a very special place in my heart, because uh, I recently started my now, I started, recently started dating my now wife, Heather, who's the best thing in the world, um, but we were pretty still new to dating, and so she's just like, I called dibs on taking you to see the Lego movie, and I'm just going, okay, sure, whatever, whatever you want. Um, 
<laughs> not not to be honest, not really looking forward to it because it none of the trailers look particularly good. And then we get out of it, and I was like, "You definitely went on a date with my inner nine year old tonight." Because holy crap, I was grinning from ear to ear. I got teared up at the end when he's like, "You are the special." I cheered louder than any child in the room when the Millennium Falcon. He's like, "Where are we gonna get a hyperdrive?" Oh my gosh, it's the Millennium Falcon! And then Billy D. Williams comes out to do. Well, what are we doing on a place like this? And it's actually Lando, and it's Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. It's just great. And it was so much better than any right to be. I come bursting back into the dorm, and some of the guys are just watching TV, and I'm like, guys, tomorrow, we're going to the theater, and we're seeing Lego Movie. And all of them just go, are you kidding me? The Lego Movie. And I'm just going, like Aladdin, in when he has that date with Jasmine, do you trust me? And they're like, <laughs> not really. You were coming either way. Like I more or less had to drag people kicking and screaming going, if you do not like that, I will pay for your ticket. If I have to, we sit down, they see it within five minutes. I'm like, I know it. Cause they're all dying laughing. As soon as the movie's done, they're just like, so we're seeing this next weekend. Right. And I swear we saw this movie like three or four times in theaters each time roping somebody new and going we know it sounds dumb but trust us and then kind of as a follow-up uh i'd throw lego batman in there too because going into lego batman the lego batman movie we're kind of going okay the lego movie has to be a fluke there's no way just because will arnett had some pretty decent scenes as batman there's no way that he can carry a lego batman movie it's one of the best Batman movies ever, and it got to the core of the character of Batman better than some of the live-action movies have. Also, it has Dick Grayson, so that's a that's pretty okay in my book, even though you kind of botched the Nightwing suit. And the director of that was supposed to do the Nightwing movie, and I'm still crying in the corner about that. Um, but the Lego franchise did not deserve to be nearly as good as it was, because when they said a Lego movie was coming on, cool, I liked Legos as a kid. They're there to make money. They're there to sell things. And yes, the Lego movie was blatantly there to sell new Lego sets because I still have the double-decker couch on my bookshelf. Um, But it was done with so much heart and care. It's amazing what happens when you put actual effort into a commercial movie. Looking at you, the Emoji movie. Um, But yeah, the Lego movie has such a special place in my heart for the experience going into it. It got... um, my wife and I closer together after that. We bonded over that movie. Bonded with a lot of our friends over that movie. Just going, do you trust me? This movie will blow your mind. Because it came out around the same time as Frozen. And I'm still going, guys, if you have a choice between Frozen and Lego Movie, go with Lego Movie any day of the week. Um, yeah, Lego Movie. There's no reason that should have been as good as it was. But it's so good. Um, I've got one. I've got two different Jack Black movies, actually. Um... Okay. One, I have that he did a few movies of that every single time. Here's the thought process. Wow. Trailer for that looks absolutely stupid. I don't know if I'll see that. Wait till it comes on a home video. Wow. That was better than it had any right to be. Uh, that was actually really, really amazing. Next one comes out. Well, I like the first one, but God, that trailer looked terrible. There's no way they can repeat the success. Oh, this is this is better than the first one. I like this one even more. Obviously, I'm talking about Kung Fu Panda. Why does this work so well? You have 
a martial arts panda voiced by Jack Black that has some of the best and most exciting action set pieces with some of Hans Zimmer's best music that he's ever done. That's outstanding music with gorgeous colors and animation. Kung Fu Panda should not work as well as it does. I've, I've never seen it. They're actually so good. Like, um, where, where do I watch them? Like, what uh, platform would I watch them on? The weird are thing they... is there's, like, split. I think, like, the second one is on Netflix, which is super bizarre. Um, they're kind of scattered. Um, but if you can find them, they're surprisingly excellent. Which shouldn't be really surprising, but they should not work as well as they do. Considering how big a voice cast they have. They have Jack Black, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Jackie Chan, Angelina Jolie, Seth Rogen, uh, Gary Oldman's in one of them, J.K. Simmons is in another one. They have a stacked cast um, with just a really good main protagonist. Poe's probably one of my favorite main protagonists because, yes, he becomes like the ultimate warrior or whatever, but he's still so incredibly relatable just because he becomes the great hero doesn't make him less of a dork of he's just like i'm the great hero oh crap there are stairs that i have to walk up so he goes up all the stairs to face the bad guy and he's just like before we fight can i have five to ten minutes before so i can catch my breath like the the problems of his character don't go away or get fixed just because he becomes the hero of the story his problems are still there but he embraces his issues to make him a better person. Yeah, I didn't realize that the first one came out in 2008. Uh, the, fir- yeah. the first two first two are on Prime Video. The other one's on like YouTube TV, which I do have. So I'm going to have to check those out with the family here. Uh, and you know, I don't really like watching movies alone. I don't know if you do or not. I just Depends don't on the like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, so yeah, that that is great. What uh, also, so, so it's the first two of your Jack Black movies? No, I have another Jack Black movie, actually. Okay. Uh, but before I get into that one, uh, one last thing about Kung Fu Panda is it's such an odd thing to make note of, but Kung Fu Panda has one of the most beautiful um, color palettes that I've seen in an animated movie in a very, very long time. Like, the sunsets are extra orange. The grass in the rolling hills is extra green. Um, the colors just pop. It feels like an old-school martial arts movie kind of in the way it's presented like i think you'll generally be amazed at some of the choreography that they have in um these movies and the logic that goes into them um the other jack black series that i have that should not work as well as they do considering i don't necessarily care for the original but when they said that they were rebooting jumanji i rolled my eyes harder than just about anybody else going yeah that's a dumb idea they're not doing it with Robin Williams. This was after he passed away. Oh, Sony's doing it? Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Sony can't buy a franchise to save their life. And then, do you remember the media firestorm that came out that first set picture? They had that first official image of, like, The Rock, uh, Jack Black, and then you had Karen Gillan's character, who was in the tank top and the shorts, and everyone's outraged going, why is she overly sexualized? And the movie, the people making the movie were just like, y'all, calm down. We will explain it in the movie. You're seeing this picture out of context. And then, sure enough, there's a reason why Karen Gillan's character looked like that. Because she was a video game character. Like Laura Croft used to be. How she was portrayed that way. Um, There is no reason 
why the first one, and especially the second Jumanji, should be nearly as good as they are. I love them both so much. And Jack Black was born to play a teenage girl, and it's the weirdest statement ever, but it's so, so true. And normally, I'm not a big Rock fan, because he's the same in every movie. But he plays against type in these movies, and I appreciate that. He's able to flex his comedic side, especially in the second one, when he breaks out his killer Danny DeVito impersonation. Are we in Florida? Like, it's so good, and it should not be as good as it is. Yeah, yeah, that that is a great pick. I remember watching, like, one of my friends who is not an avid moviegoer saw it three times. I went, what's wrong with you? So I finally went and I saw it, and I'm like, holy cow, you're absolutely right. This is fantastic. And I went and saw the second one in theaters, and we had a great time. So what, what a great pick, Nate. Like, those are, those are those are great things. I Of course, I can't speak to Kung Fu Panda. I'm just going to have to watch it and report back at some point. I think you will very much enjoy them. They're, they're pleasant surprises. Well, you have never let me down. Honestly, you've never let me down on this at all so far. So I will, I will check off uh, a couple more, hopefully in the next coming weeks, about more Nathan Rall uh, – Actually, movie suggestions. Weird, weird thing. Before you watch any of the Kung Fu Panda movies, I don't think there's any spoilers in them. Look up the soundtracks for the movie okay. and just listen to them. Hans Zimmer did not have That's to great. go that hard for Kung Fu Panda, but good <laughs> lord, he went hard on this soundtrack. I'm just like, you know dude. how much I love movie scores, so thank, I appreciate the recommendation. And you were, by the way, you were right. King Arthur's soundtrack's amazing. Right? Like, it's not a good movie, but yeah, I balled to that. That's good. It is. It is. It is awesome. Um, I will. I will say. I will talk about another movie, which I don't know if you'll have on your list either. But it, it's a movie. Now, I've not seen this movie, but I do know of the overall, overall cultural impact and the popularity of a movie that I will say to you. We saw the trailer together. I think it was a Super Bowl trailer, and we all looked at it, and we all, and then the the title came at the end, and we were like, ooh. Ooh, that's intimidating, and that Man is John Wick. <gasps> John Wick should not be as good as it is. Yes, John and Wick is beautiful. All of us <laughs> made fun of that title. Like, who? Who is it? It's John Wick. Ooh, a, Ke- a washed-up Keanu Reeves playing a guy who's supposed to be really, really ba. Like, oh man, yeah, this movie just crushed it. Uh, and and so like the fact good they're pick, making what they're gonna be filming possibly four and five this year, mm-hmm. uh, what what a cool thing to see uh, the resurgence of this type of character so or this type of actor, and so yeah that was a movie that should not have worked by any means because that market is flooded with that type of either revenge action over the top I mean Liam Neeson mostly yeah I was gonna say mostly Liam Neeson the, movies yeah killed the, the genre but. Yes, uh, I I will I guess throw an audible mention in there. Taken should not have been as good as it was. But no, I love the first that. one's great. Yeah, the first one's amazing. So, uh, but yeah, John Wick uh, and basically the whole John Wick franchise for that matter. But I remember even you yes. and I both oh, were making with, fun of it. Yeah, because I remember at the time because we were saying Keanu's washed up. Um, he hasn't been in anything good in a very long time. Can't I know how a lot of people complaining over the years? Keanu can't act. Uh, John Wick is a stupid name for a movie. I remember because the poster was like his head with like a fuse at the end. We're just like, oh, is he going to explode or something? Now when you say John Wick, I shudder in fear because I have seen all three. And I know, do not piss off Baba Yaga. Do not do anything to his dog. 
because he's terrifying. He kills a man with a book. Like, no. <laughs> this should not be as good as it was. I'm so glad you brought up the Keanu because he's on my list. Cyberpunk 2077. Just kidding. That no. <laughs> just no, no. I just had to take a cheap shot there, just because. Uh, I can't wait for that that game to get out of beta. Uh, <laughs> Try in five years. Yeah. Another five years of development. Um, no. Typically, when you hear a movie's been in development hell for X amount of years, it doesn't end well. Especially comedy sequels revisiting territory. Decades later, I don't mind Anchorman 2, but it's not nearly as good as the original. Um, it just seems like comedy sequels, especially, if you do them too late, you definitely lose the magic of the original. That was 100% not the case with Bill and Ted 3 Face the Music. This movie is what 2020 so, so desperately needed. This, 2020, was an absolute crap show. But how utterly optimistic and blindfully naive Bill and Ted Face the Music chooses to view the world was so cathartic, really, in 2020. Um, It's basically, so the entire Bill and Ted franchise basically always revolves around Bill and Ted have to write the one special song that will unite the world. Well, now we thought that the end of the second one, they did that. But now they're grown adult men with teenage daughters, and they still, after like two and a half decades away, still have not written this song. And they've basically thrown their lives away trying to write this song, and they suck. They can't do it. And so, basically, someone from the future comes to them and says, you've got until the end of today, you've got 70 minutes, convenient timing, um... A little on the nose there. You've got 70 minutes to write the song that will unite the world. Uh, And they go on their typical Bill and Ted adventure. It is so optimistic and lighthearted and just fun. It was the movie that 2020 needed. Was it a perfect movie? No. It could have used a few more minutes. It's it's not going to win any awards anytime soon. But the magic of the original Bill and Ted was not gone at all. Keanu and Alex Winters just slipped right back into those characters that they that you know and love if you're a fan of the franchise um and even though they introduce new characters who are seemingly there to replace them they don't feel like replacements you enjoy the new characters just as much as you enjoy the old characters which does not always happen star wars sequels um it was still enjoyable all around but it didn't rely on nostalgia force awakens it had nostalgia (laughs) But it wasn't central to the story. Like, Michael, I don't think you've seen any of the Bill and Ted's. You could go into Face the Music cold, like you could with Force Awakens, and not miss anything. But you're rewarded if you watch the first two. It's just... They're blindly naive. I've always said, I think Bill and Ted both could lift Thor's hammer because they're too stupid to realize the significance of it. And also, they're just too kind-hearted. Because, yes, they're idiots. They're like stoners without the actual stone, so to speak. But they're never... They're idiots, but they're never jerk idiots. They're always good-hearted people. And they always... No matter how bad life gets, they just keep going and with a smile on their face. And if that's not what you need in 2020, I don't know what is. 
And it should not have worked as well as it did, considering that it took them 20 years to make this movie. And it's a sequel to, not necessarily the biggest comedy franchise, but a cult classic from the 80s. It should not have worked nearly as well as it did, but it was it was what 2020 needed, desperately. Uh, well, I uh, I know I haven't seen it, but I uh, I'm very well might add them to to my list. So hey, another good pick, and I'm I'm glad because it's a that fun. Was... It's just a fun yeah. little comedy. I don't know if you'll like love it, but I think you'd at least enjoy it. Yeah. Well, one of the films that caught me off the off guard, and it's more, it's definitely a comedy. Uh, was a film that came out in uh, the very first part of this past decade, and uh, a film that it, I will say this: you you get. You get stars past their prime that will do just do films just to get money. They'll they'll they will mail it in. They're not trying. It, it's basically uh, like seeing like your favorite star in a in a B movie, and it's like man, like they don't belong in there. Why, why did they even take the job? And it, it, well, we get it. It's work. You want to have work to do, and you can get on the big screen. You're going to make money. Well, this has a slew of a cast of characters that not necessarily past their prime, but they had much bigger days. Uh, acting, and they all came together to make a nice little spy thriller, but also yeah. make fun of the genre. And that was 2010's Red. Absolutely, oh, not where I absolutely. thought that was going. Yeah, absolutely, a movie that I'm like, uh, this should not work. I mm-hmm. mean, Morgan Freeman, John Malkovich, uh, Bruce Willis, Helen Mirren. I'm like, okay, it's a great cast, but it's like it almost Carl too Urban? good to be true. Yeah, and like, yes, exactly, almost too good to be true. Like, is this gonna be? a really dumb movie or is it going to be smart? And my, my parents love that film. We laughed from start to finish and actually didn't mind the sequels. The sequels were not nearly as good, but no, they relied uh, too much on the comedy and not enough on the action. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so like that was a movie that took me and my whole family by surprise. It shouldn't have worked, not because there weren't going to be a talented writer or a director in it, but because we had seen that the failings of like a good cast but the same premise, action or spy, and it's like it's not it doesn't hook you. And they executed every point so brilliantly, and I, I love that movie. If you guys haven't seen it, I really, really uh, recommend Red or Retired Extremely Dangerous. Yeah, good pick. I hadn't even thought about that one. But yeah, if you look at it on paper, it's just, hey, old people are wanted by the government and they have to fight back. Like, that doesn't sound that exciting. And especially considering it's Bruce Willis who – Let's be honest, for the past few yes. years, has been phoning it in. Of all things, he doesn't phone it in, Red. He's having so much fun. Although, I haven't been the biggest John Malkovich fan. John Malkovich is perfect for Red. My family yes, and I yes. will still quote, he's got the pig. And he gets that big old <laughs> rocket launcher out of the pig. It's yes, just fantastic. Right. I love it. Um, well, let's talk about another one that's on the graphic here. Creed. Creed should not oh, have my. been as good as it Ooh. was. Because Rocky yes. Balboa was the perfect ending for the Rocky franchise. And I remember for years, people talked about they might do a spinoff with Apollo Creed's kid. Um, I'm going, well, first of all, did he have a kid? I guess he did that we might have seen in Rocky IV, um, who might still be around in the ether. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I was just like, wow, that just sounds like the most blatant. We've run out of ideas. We've got to flesh out the Rocky franchise somehow. Let's just have Apollo Creed's kid because we can't have Apollo back. Let's just have Apollo Creed's kid back and we'll have Rocky train him. That should not have worked nearly as well as uh, they made it work in the first one. And even the second one, which I like more, I've said before, but 
Creed should not work as well as um, Ryan Coogler made it work. Ryan Coogler absolutely crushed it. Like, it's a franchise. It almost basically completely created a whole new franchise out of how good it was. Yeah, this movie I saw in theaters, and there were scenes in that that still give me chills. Again, like I mentioned it before, the intros, the long take, like the intros of both Creed and Pretty Ricky Conlon, the way it was shot, the long takes in the hallway, and the seemingly uninterrupted like one takes of the fights and like thinking of like how did they actually do that? Where did they hide a cut there? How is the guy bleeding? Uh, you know, here and it it just was so engaging. Uh, Michael B. Jordan did an amazing job of playing both sides of somebody who who want, who aspires to be great, but at the same time is still angry. And, and having Sylvester Stallone uh, really turn a fantastic performance. Golden Globe. Uh, Coo- yeah, Coo- Coogler did an amazing job. Uh, very surprised uh, that uh, that. Somebody, I mean, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I'm not saying that someone didn't have the talent that uh, talent that he did with like Fruitvale Station, for example. Uh, but you're right. Like, I'm not a big fan of boxing movies because they're so repetitive. Like, as far as like, oh hey, look at, um, like it's not nothing really surprises you. But what surprised me in this was the heart, and it's mm-hmm. not something they just threw together. It's not something they threw together and then did like a one one version uh, of the of a script. And then threw it together just to make money. They actually took their time, and yeah, couldn't agree more, bud. Um, I have my last two here. Cool. Are, I got are three, like, yeah, I got three more. Okay. It's cool. Okay, so my my last, my last two are, are going to be like maybe an easy easy one, and then you're gonna think like, no, no, they're they're old. They always have been great. So why why would why would we even consider them not working? Well, the first one, uh, the first one I'm gonna say this, you know. Shot all together, done at the done before this millennium, working off a source material that, let's be honest, not a lot of people knew of because of maybe how slowly paced the books are, not incredibly beloved by the rest of the world, but yet it speaks volumes of what you can do. Directed by somebody who is relatively new, and you know. Studio takes a chance at greenlighting three films based off their books, and that's the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I was um, wondering if we're gonna have Lord of the Rings today. Yeah, it, it is. It is a franchise. I don't know. That, Those are pretty beloved books, dude. But Those are I, the nerd it, bible. Did, did you Did you read the books growing up? I tried to. It, yeah, yeah, they're right. not it's for that, kids. The original Lord of the Rings trilogy. I don't think they are. The Hobbits for kids. Yes, the, the the Lord of the Rings, like you, very rarely will you find somebody who has actually read all of the books. Like that's it's not. I any, know of a few. You know, Middle, Middle Earth was well, was known for some people, but to uh, make it appeal to the masses, I mean, eleven Academy Award wins for Return of the King. I mean, are I mean, that's unheard of, and and the the fact that anyone can sit down and watch these movies and love them. That that's what's so great. It's not just the fact that they were good; it's the mass appeal that Lord of the Rings had with just with pop culture still to this day uh, is something that, in a way, today should not have worked. A new director, uh, a like source material that is so vast, using new technology, a, a studio like you you'd mentioned with Dune, like a studio is not going to greenlight two sequels for Dune, but yet they allowed 
Jackson to go out and film all three of these uh, back to back to back. And so that that's just that doesn't happen anymore. And you look at the context of what they were risking, it should not have worked as well as it did. And it was so successful. And, and that's why it's on my list. Fair, fair. Yeah, I almost put it on there. Um, people knew about the books. I think I would put more on the list of people thought these books were unfilmable. It's not so much that people were unfamiliar with it. I, I know quite a few people, uh, more of an older generation. Day. I think of yeah. more of an older generation. Uh, but people thought Lord of the Rings was unfilmable. And to a certain extent, for many, many years, it was. Until was, Jackson yeah. showed around, showed up with cutting-edge technology. Um, I got another comedy that really, really should not have worked given that it was based off an old TV show, which are always hit or miss. I love A-Team, but it wasn't for everybody and didn't do very well at the box office. Right. Um, considering I had never seen the show, and I remember leading up to it, everyone was judging the crap out of this going, really? 21 Jump Street? You're doing mm. that as a movie? And you're getting Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, who at the time, Channing Tatum was just the guy that's in rom-coms, and Jonah Hill was the guy from Superbad. Uh, even I, I didn't see it in theaters. Uh, I saw it much later. I was like, really? 21 Jump Street. And then all these positive reviews start coming out. Everyone's going, this is actually really good. And I finally get around to seeing it. I was like, this is really good. And I even like the second one more. Like, the second one has one of the few scenes that has ever made me cry from laughing so hard that when I saw it in the theater, I was rolled out of my seat laughing so hard. Uh, for those that have seen the movie, it's when... Channing Tatum finds out that Jonah Hill's been hooking up with the captain's daughter. That, oh my goodness, I have never, I will never again doubt Channing Tatum's comedic timing. Because, oh my goodness, that was hysterical. But a 80s TV show starring Johnny Depp coming from two guys who just came off cloudy with a chance of meatballs with the guy that's in all the rom-coms and then Jonah Hill shouldn't really work. But it really, really did with some really clever humor. It wasn't just your stereotypical R-rated comedy. There was actually really good writing to it. Both Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum playing against type. The fact that Jonah Hill's the one that gets the girl in the movie. And Channing Tatum's the one that has to play kind of the nerdy character. It was a fun reversal. It was creative. It was different. It put Lord Miller on the map before Kathleen Kennedy threw them off the map. Um, <laughs> it was just a lot of fun. Fun. It did not have to be nearly as good as it was. And also, I'm sure Johnny Depp loved it because they finally killed him off of the Jump Street universe once and for all. And I'm sure he was rejoicing about that. Um, yeah, 21 Jump Street was not culturally relevant anymore. So people are just going, why are you making this in a movie? Because we can make it good. That's why we made it a movie. Yeah, the, I've never seen them and I, I've heard... I've heard great things, and I had no idea that the source material for this was a was an '80s TV show. Like that's actually that lends to the credibility of your your whole take. And yeah, maybe maybe someday I will I'll have to. I don't think you'd like them. Yeah, I wouldn't so, recommend them to you. I'd recommend okay. the people that like those type of comedies, like Tropic Thunder or something else. Yeah, yeah Tropic Thunder. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what a. I'm a dude what, what? playing a dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> Talking about like movies that wouldn't work today. Now that would be no. an interesting topic. That, that that would be at the top of the list. That and Simple um, Jack. Those yes, two oh, things alone. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Um, well, my my last one. This is the low hanging fruit. You might have this on here, but I, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. That no one, no one, 
literally no one, maybe even George Lucas during the production. Oh, nope. Uh, Don't have uh, it. Of, of the 1977 filming, uh, when you know George Lucas took these people out to the desert and says, "Hey, you dress up in these weird costumes, and I'm going to write this." This uh, you are called this a Jedi. Jedi, yes. Uh, this you know hero's journey, and we're going to throw some Shakespeare. We're going to throw some references and maybe some familiar language with Star Trek fans, and we're going to make Star Wars what we come to now know as Star Wars. Uh, that movie, the technical difficulties, it, the documentaries are out there. I don't even need to say it. This movie shouldn't have worked, and it was one of the biggest films, and not the biggest film of all time. Hmm. Uh, especially cultural impact. I don't think it should have worked at all. Like considering what they were trying to do, the era in which it came out in, the fact that the fans embraced it as well as they did. Uh, you, you can make great films that are technical spectacle, like like a spectacle like Avatar, which are an achievement in technical filmmaking, but you know, leaves the audience going, well, yeah, I mean, that's okay, but that Star Wars redefined an entire genre. So... Uh, and, and considering the amount of problems, very similar to Jaws, which I almost put Jaws on this list of just the the problems with the filmmaking, it's just the setbacks. And you'd like to think that eventually people were losing hope. So Star Wars for me, that's my last one for, for this week as far as films that shouldn't have worked. And I guess maybe just comparing it to how much success they had thereafter. I'm so glad you brought that up because my, my final one is very similar to Star Wars that okay. I know some people will disagree with me because their memories are short, but we'll get there. Um, my other, my second to last one is one that just saying it sounds like it's a stupid idea. Like, <laughs> trust me, guys, this movie was good. I saw it, and it's actually a whole lot better than the name suggests. <laughs> Dora the Explorer. D- oh. oh, man, I never saw this. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I was scared away from it for a long time because, you know, it's Door the Explorer. How good can it be? It's a Nickelodeon movie. I finally watched him like, yeah, um, sorry, Alicia Vikander, Tomb Raider. This is the best treasure hunting movie that's come out in the past few years until Tom Holland's Uncharted comes out. This really? is so charming and fun. This was How? so good. It kind of is self-aware in what it's doing. So, obviously, in the old Dora, it would be like, um, this is poisonous. Can you say poisonous? So, she does that at the beginning when they're all at the dinner table, but no one else does that. So, like, the Louis, uh, Michael Pena, uh, Louis from Ant-Man and the Wasp, he's her dad, and when she does it, he's like, what are you looking at? Like the office style joke, which works incredibly well. Um, it's a movie f- that's appropriate for kids, but not necessarily targeted solely for kids. Like it actually has really good character development, good writing. Surprisingly, not this some kitty jokes. It's a Nickelodeon movie, but not as childish as you would think. A You're very trolling. Huh? You have you have to be trolling us. No, I, that's what I'm saying. This movie, it's a Door of the Explorer movie that genuinely is a whole heck of a lot better than it has any right to be. Also, without dipping too much into spoilers, because I think it's hysterical for those people that haven't seen it. Since this is live action, they do find a way to tie in and poke fun and embrace the animation side for a quick little Easter egg. Um. Boots is in it, 
how they do boots is hysterical. Um, also, Boba Fett's in it as a bounty hunter, and it's fantastic. Not actual Boba Fett, uh, Tamora Morrison. Um, it's so much fun. It's a traditional old school adventure movie. Um, and I'm no, I'm not joking. If you have not seen Dora, it is one of the better adventure movies that has come out in quite a few years. And also, if nothing else, it's one of the best looking movies. For some reason, whenever I watch Dora on our big TV, it looks like I'm looking through a window. Like, it's for some reason, Nickelodeon was just like, yeah, you guys want to shoot an 8K? Go for it. It, lo- it looks great. Like, it looks fantastic. The performances for uh, younger actors are actually really charming and endearing. There's some childish humor at times, but it's a whole lot better than a Dora the Explorer movie has any right to be whatsoever. I, I, I don't have words. Dude, it's a Lego movie situation. I, it really is. You're going to put it on that level? Not in terms... It's not as good as Lego movie, but in terms of sheer surprise when I finally saw it going... Holy what? crap! This was fun. It, well, here, here's I a want question. another what, one. What, what went wrong in your life that day that led you to the theater to see this movie? I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it. No. I I think I like either rented it or it was really really cheap on Vudu because I had seen the Rotten Tomatoes. If I'm correct, it's like high 80s on Rotten Tomatoes. People love this movie. It did extremely well at the box office. People received it really well go in with no preconceived notions and I think you'll enjoy it a whole lot more than you think you will. That's impossible. I can't go in without any preconceived notions. And that's why. That's why I didn't see it for so long. But that's the thing. It is genuinely good. There's a couple scenes in it that I laugh out loud and the main girl that plays Dora is very charming and endearing. Kind of in like a... They kind of portray her somewhat as like a Charlie Brown type character a little bit at times of doesn't quite always fit in but is always positive um they play the fish out of water because she has to adapt to high school and diego's in it and diego has adjusted to high school he's just like high school's a jungle good luck don't die um like don't they don't take the child approach it's basically like if dora was in the real world and we treated her like an actual person um it's it is very entertaining a lot more entertaining than has any right to be as well, I'll just have to take your word for it, man. I really will. I'd still say, just watch it once. Just see. Oh, you never know. It, it would be just once, trust me. I don't think so. Did you ever see The Librarian? Uh, I couldn't finish The Librarian. I, I it, really couldn't. It's got better effects than The Librarian, obviously. Yeah. I'm trying to think of so. what it would be on par for you that you may have seen. I don't know. It is, it's good, believe it or not. Just because it's called Door of the Explorer, it's a lot better than you would think. Now, my last one. A whole bunch of you are going to come at me going, no, we knew this was going to be good. We knew this was going to be a hit. Liars. Liars. Because right, as soon as I tell you the character, you're going to go, oh, yeah, we've always been familiar with him. We always loved him. Bull. I grew up reading comics. I have a crap ton of this guy's comics. Don't tell me that you're familiar with him because when Marvel decided to make this movie, he was a B-level character because Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and X-Men belonged to somebody else. So they're just going, all right, here's open up our drawer. 
Why don't we make an Iron Man movie, I guess? Yes. Iron Man should not have been as big, as successful as it was. All of you are going, oh, of course, we've always known who Iron Man was. Before 2008, did you know who Iron Man was? Or did you care? Did you know anything about Iron Man's story? While he was never my favorite superhero, still to this day isn't. I'm glad he died in Endgame. I stand by that statement. He had it coming. Um, the first Iron Man is still, I think, one of the best in the MCU and should not have worked. You have John Favreau, who is not the name he was, he is now, coming off Mandalorian and Jungle Book. You had the guy that just came and did Elf, and the guy that was on Friends for a couple episodes as Monica's boyfriend, is directing a movie that doesn't have a completed script, that they're finishing the script as they're shooting it, with recovering alcoholic Robert Downey Jr. that no one wanted to even insure because they thought they wouldn't be able to get their money back or he was too much of a health risk for this production. Y'all think of Robert Downey Jr. as the biggest movie star in the world. Flashback to 2008, no one was touching Robert Downey Jr. with a 20-foot pole. Combine that with a character that the general audience had never even heard of. Sony passed on Iron Man. They didn't want him. They only wanted Spider-Man. Fox passed on Iron Man. They only wanted X-Men and Fantastic Four. No one cared about the classic Marvel characters like Captain America and Iron Man, but Kevin Feige did and said, we're going to make one standalone movie that's good. We're going to focus on how to make that character work. He and Favreau created a masterpiece that launched the MCU, but it should not have been as good as it was. You say Star Wars is a gamble. I think the modern-day equivalent of that is the first Iron Man. The first Iron Man was such a huge gamble. It didn't gamble with special effects like Star Wars did, although they spent a lot of their budget on the suit because they're like, okay, if nothing else, we need to make sure that the Iron Man suit looks as good as possible and looks as believable as possible because it needs to feel tangible. We need to have, make sure people feel like it's it's there and exists. Um, Iron Man is one of the biggest names in the world now. Unfortunately, I would say Iron Man is a bigger name in the general population than Superman nowadays just because of the, the level that Robert Downey Jr. has ev- elevated it to. But before 2008, this was the biggest roll of the dice since Star Wars. And it should not have paid off as big as it has because there was so many things that could potentially go wrong. An unfinished script. A director that wasn't known for big action at the time. He had done Elf. Um, he hadn't done Cowboys versus Aliens. He hadn't done Jungle Book. He hadn't done Lion King. He hadn't done Mando. He's still a relatively unknown director. The guy from Swingers, basically, who'd been in some stuff with a very, very volatile actor at the time should not have paid off as successful as it did. Yeah, what a great pick. And like, this is a movie that flew under the radar for me. I think I watched it on FX at my aunt's house. <gasps> what? Like a, like a year afterwards, because I, I didn't know anything about comics. I didn't grow up with them. But it was referenced. Like People talked about it at school. Like this is a great movie, so I, you know, I was at my aunt's house chilling, and I just watched it, watched the TV edit of it, and I was like, wow, that was actually really good. I don't know anything that's going on, but I was able to follow it. You know, they they made it approachable. You know, as they're starting out all of this, like it, it was it was really great. And you know, considering more of the background, which you just talked about, which I was unaware of, by the way, 
Like that is really really interesting. I didn't. I, I knew that like RDJ was was not really beloved at that time. I knew that he had suffered from those from Basically drug and alcohol addiction. Yeah, yeah. Because my mom was actually the one who even educated me on that because we watched it for the first time and I was sharing with her like about like what year this came out. She goes, "This has been really big for him because she she had heard about it. She she follows some stuff in the entertainment world and." You know that was that was something that she heard that this was really big for him because it kind of gave him, it kind of pushed him and kept him in the sobriety, but also gave him work. It guaranteed him work, and I don't think he knew for the next you know twelve years at least. But I I was very very pleasantly surprised by it, and then having to go back and watch it for the first time after you know being invested in the MCU and then seeing it through the MCU's and lens, not some. You know, 14-year-old who was like, I don't know what this movie is. Like, that, that is something for me that, you know, it hits pretty pretty hard going back. But that's a great pick. Like, what a, what a, fantastic, a fantastic example of a gamble. Like, is that nothing short of a gamble? Because if Iron Man didn't work, if it really didn't work, would we have the MCU as we know it? I'll tell you what. If Iron Man failed... Fox owns all the Marvel characters because they mortgaged Captain America, Iron Man, all the Marvel characters. They mortgaged the rights to those characters because they didn't have enough money within Marvel. They mortgaged those characters to the bank and basically said, if we don't get our money back, you guys can have these characters and they'll go on the chopping block to somebody else. That's how close Marvel was to losing everything. So if Iron Man fails, we lose everything. Like, I don't think... Like, we talk about how big Iron Man was and kicking off. There's so much that hinges on... I've thought about this before. Someone needs to make a documentary about the year 2008 in general. Because 2008 is the year that it went... DC, Marvel, because May 2008, Iron Man comes out. July 2008, The Dark Knight comes out. And both series, Marvel and DC, have both lived and died by those two movies ever since. Marvel only went up from Iron Man. DC has spent the better part of 2008 on trying to escape the shadow of the dark knight in my mind going we've got to reach this level again we need to have this level of critical reception again we need to be this beloved ever again i'm going no you need to do what works for you dark knight's a masterpiece don't try and hit lightning in a bottle twice don't try and have lightning strike the same place twice make your own lightning somewhere else and i've i've always been interested in that that specific year of Iron Man and Dark Knight coming out so close together and splitting the road so drastically. Um, I think that's just a fascinating topic. Also, 2008, we talked earlier about Tropic Thunder. Also 2008 with Robert Downey Jr. That yeah. also got him an Academy Award nomination. And those two movies, I think, always credit him for getting him back on the road to recovery. Oh, of course. Well, hey, I would watch it. And, you know, it's it's just a shame. I, I don't know anyone who's passionate about this subject and who has, you know, the editing skills and the narrative. Don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. Hey, 
don't instead of don't be the hero you want to uh, want to be be the documentarian that you want to see hey man i'm already busy i've already got spoiler alert we're gonna we're gonna talk about this before we close things out um i got tired of sitting on the sideline um saying someday i'm gonna make that nightwing video tell you what guys nightwing video has been recorded the voiceover's done uh, it's been trimmed down. I've already started yes. the post-production on it. It's going to be a little over 20 minutes, but it's a tight 20 minutes. Um, it is shaping up beautifully. Um, it'll be out in the next couple of months, depending on how busy I get with the post-production stuff, like the editing, because I want it to be – I'm going to be real precise with this. Um, I'm really, really excited. There's one scene uh, that I'm almost done with involving Superman, of all people, that one that is done. I'll probably put that on the Facebook page just as, as – a version of the trailer so to speak uh just a little quick little clip of what you can kind of anticipate the whole video will be like but yeah i got tired of waiting on the sideline so go full steam ahead on this nightwing video so keep an eye on that um but what do you guys think what are some movies that should not have been nearly as good as they were but ended up being huge surprises like your iron man your creeds your lego movies let us know in the comments below we always love hearing from you guys and as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, uh, or YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.